0: This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at missoulachurch.com. Well, good morning. We want to talk to you this morning. We've been talking a series in the book of Romans, walking through Romans. And, And as I think about this, I am just, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share God's word, it is so humbling that God has called me to do that and you have given me the platform uh, to show up today to allow me to speak, to speak into your life because this is an amazing book, um, the book of Romans. And really, it was written in the midst of chaos and it was written to help bring clarity in the midst of chaos. And honestly, that's where we are right now in our world. There's a chaotic world and for us who who, who know God, we need that clarity In our lives. And so uh, this is week five in our series that we've been talking about. And every week I've given you an I am statement. So, like week one, we said, I am unashamed of the gospel. Uh, Week two, we said, I am done with excuses. Week three, we said, I am living by faith. Uh, And last week we talked about, I am being made, I am made righteous. And so now we're on week five, and I have the next I am statement for you here in week five. Here we go. It's going to be amazing. Are you ready for this? I am suffering for a purpose. Come on. Oh, man, just sign me up for that, right? I came to church today to talk about suffering. Come on. I thought church was supposed to be fun, and everyone danced and just sat around, and we smiled at one another. What are we talking about suffering, Pastor? I'm already suffering enough, I don't wanna suffer anymore. And yet we're gonna talk today about I am suffering for a purpose. Uh, And I know that's not the most exciting topic, it's not like the other four, you don't say, oh yay, this gives me all goosebumps. But the reality is this, I love, the guy who wrote um, Romans is a guy named Paul and I love Paul's honesty. I love how he writes with such honesty in this book where he just, I mean, he just tells us like it is. If you want to follow Christ, here you go. I'm going to give you, you want to live in a chaotic world and you want clarity in a chaotic world? Well, let me just give it to you. So we're talking here, we're going to go to Romans chapter five, verse three today. And this is what it says, starting at verse three. And it said, uh, "Not not only so, but we glory, also glory. Another word we could use there is, is rejoice. Another way it says is we, not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. That's crazy. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. So, so let's get this. Paul's like, he's only a few words into this chapter. Like we're in chapter five, verse three. So we're just like barely into it. And he's like, okay, here's this. Oh, then by the way, we want you to rejoice in your suffering. And I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know if I like that. Like I wanna, I don't, where's Pastor, where's Brenton at? This thing seems a little hot. I don't know if it was in the, in the sound booth, but if we could adjust it, I'd appreciate it. But... Um, like we talk about rejoicing and um and and he's saying rejoice in our sufferings. And I'm like, I don't know how do we rejoice in our suffering? Hear me, church. I want you to read the Bible slowly. Like he didn't say, I rejoice because I'm suffering. Like he says, I rejoice when I'm suffering. Not because I'm suffering, I rejoice Winner. So the good news for you is this. is I don't, Sometimes we live Christian faith, and we think if you're going to be a Christian, you just have to live a very depressing life. Like you just got to have a frown on your place, and you just got to go, look, it's a hard life, right? And I just suffer for Jesus. Hallelujah. I want that for my life. Please sign me up for suffering. So if I say yes to Jesus, I should just have my shoulders over, walk around, like, woe is me, right? Eeyore. How many of you know that's not what he said? He didn't say, I rejoice because I'm suffering. I rejoice when I'm suffering. So in other words, I can rejoice in the middle of it, like when I have times of suffering, not all the time. In fact, I've been given, sometimes throughout this series, I've been giving you like some memes and different things like that. And, uh, and, and I came across this one because this reminds me of a lot of you guys. You look like this guy right here, like, like what? And you're like, this is my rejoicing face, Right? Some of you were like, Are you ever happy? Yeah, man, I'm rejoicing right now. I'm like, Man, you don't really look like it, right? And yet, in the midst of it, that we walk through life and we do all these things, and it's always, it's, it really is like that. It's like God, it's like Paul's telling us to rejoice when things aren't going good. And I don't know about you, but you don't always want to put a smile on your face when that happens. And so, he's telling us to rejoice when, to rejoice in all things. And I've rejoiced about a lot of things in my life, right? Like, I rejoice on my wedding day. And mainly because I knew that I had her at that point, like it was no turning back whatsoever. Like she was mine, all mine. And she couldn't be turned back. I rejoiced uh, when my two kids, the birth of my two kids, and again, mainly because I knew I now had a retirement plan that I can live with them, right, when I get old. Uh, and, and then um, I rejoiced uh, when this church asked me to come be their lead pastor, I was like, that's awesome, I'm excited for that. But then what I have not done is I've not rejoiced in the hardest moments of my life. I haven't rejoiced in the hardest moments, like, like when suffering hits, when devastation comes. I don't, I don't feel like rejoicing is my go-to thing. Like I am not think when I'm having a hard time, I don't like, hey, let's do a party for my hard time. I just don't feel that way. But today I want you to understand that there is a purpose in the things that we face. There's absolutely a purpose in the things that we face. So Paul Paul goes on, he writes, right? He says in verse three, like suffering, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Then he goes on in verse four, and perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And he goes on and says all these things. So it produces all these things, perseverance, character, and hope. And then he goes on, he says, and and, and hope does not put us to shame because uh, God's love has been Poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Who's been given to us. So, so, in order to set the stage this morning, we need to all come to this one agreement together in the room. We, you and I, we serve a God who operates in seasons. We serve a God who operates in season, He is a seasonal God. Like we have four seasons for weather, right? Unless you're like me. I grew up in Florida. We had like two, maybe one and a half seasons. But, but here we have four seasons, like right, winter, spring, summer, fall. And God operates like that. He operates in these seasons in our life. And if you don't believe that, then look at Ecclesiastes 3.1, where it says, for everything, for everything, there is a season. There's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Now, notice he used the word, he uses the word every. And I began to look like that, like every. What is that? How does every translate in the scriptural? And you know how it translates? It actually translates every. Every season. You can't change it. Every season that you go through. Every season, there's a season for everything. And I love the word for every matter that you go through. Which means there will be times in your life where you will go through seasons Of suffering. And I know that's different for all of us. All of us have different seasons that we walk through and different reasons and all those types of things. And I know we don't like to hear that we're going to have seasons of suffering. Like we, we like the happy, joyful, uplifting parts of the Bible. We love those nice feel good talks on a Sunday morning, but let me encourage you. We have to take it all like, we can't just pick and choose what we like. We can't pick and choose what applies to our life. We have to take it all and say, you know what? It all applies to our life. So, so we're gonna go through seasons of suffering, and, and we all know how seasons work, right? If you don't like a season, then you just look forward to the next one, right? Like, if you don't like summer, then you wait for fall. If you don't like winter, you wait for summer, or you move to Arizona for four months, right? Right? <laughs> Like, I'm a huge college football fan. I love, I mean, I just live for college football. It's like one of my favorite things. So literally from February to August, I live in depression. Like, I'm just totally depressed. I mean, like, when it's over, when football, college football season is over, I, like, what do I I, I, I mourn. And I look at my wife, and I'm like, what do I do now? Like, what do I do with my life? It's over. Here's the problem. When I'm in a current season Longing for another season, I call that destination thinking. Destination thinking. And when we get into destination thinking, we start saying things like, when I get there, or um, "When when I get that thing, or when I get that money, or when I get that spouse, or that family, or when I'm able to retire, or when I get older, then I will, and then we fill in the blanks. And that's called destination thinking. And the destination thinking begins to get in because we don't like our current season. We don't like the way they are, so, so we long for another season. Can I challenge you with something today? When you get so fixed on the destination, you miss what God is doing in your current season. You miss what God has wanted to say to you in your current situation. You miss what God is saying, what God is doing, what God is trying to show you presently right now where you are. He's wanting to use you in the now because he has a, he's a seasonal God and he wants to use you where he has you planted in this very Moment. So he uses all the seasons of your life. He uses the good and the easy parts of seasons. He uses the difficult and the challenging part of seasons all to work out his plan for your life. Farmers, if you're ever knowing about farmers, farmers understand seasons very well because they know that there's a season to plant and there's a season to reap and harvest, right? And, and they know you can't get those things out of order. They have a certain order. And we get this in the church world because Jesus uses the same terminology. He uses terminology like sowing and reaping, but we forget in a very, very important part of the process. There is a sowing season, there is a reaping season, but you know what? There's also a growing season, a growing season. And that's when that seed that gets planted in the ground begins to do what that seed was made to do. And what is that? Well. That seed in the ground, that's where it begins to develop. That's where it begins to grow. That's where it begins to take shape to be the product that it would eventually, that we get to harvest and that it was meant to become. And here's the problem. We in the church, we like the sowing and the reaping because we can have a part in that. We can have a part in what the sowing and the reaping part, but we don't like the growing season because that's all God. Like the growing season is not us. The growing season is where God's in control and he's shaping and he's making us what he wants us to be. And so, so we don't want to focus on that because that's God's shaping and that's God's making. That's him growing us. And I just believe we can't take what we want and what we don't want because I believe God is in the sowing and God is in the reaping. But how many know he's also in the growing business as well? And God will use those seasons. He will use seasons that you walk through, whether it be suffering, good times, bad times, to grow you. But here's the question. What could, what could God possibly want to do in a season of suffering? Like it makes totally, total logical sense to me, right? Like if I'm suffering, if I'm going through a bad time, would it make logical sense? Well, that must be when God is absent in my life. Like, when I'm going through a difficult time, that must mean that God is mad at me. That's logical. Or maybe if I'm going through a rough time, maybe that means, you know, sounds pretty cruel. Or maybe it sounds, you know, hard-hearted or spiteful. And I want to say to you, no, it's not. Absolutely, he uses it all. In fact, the Bible says that he works everything for his good. No matter what you walk through, he takes every season of your life and he adds meaning and he adds purpose to it. And so to order to understand the the purpose behind it, we have to go backwards where where Paul is writing in, in chapter five, you have to go back to the very beginning to chapter one, right? And and it starts this way, it'll be on the screen. It says, Therefore, now first you gotta stop for a minute and go, well. What is therefore? What what is, it, what is therefore? Like, what is it? And you have to understand that you have to look all the way back to Romans chapter 3 and 4, where do you get the therefore? Because that's where Paul told us about, to live by faith. He told us that I'm justified by faith. I'm in right standing with God. He's told us all those things in the earlier chapters. And now he's at that therefore moment. And so he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, though, uh, though through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast, I'm gonna love it, in the hope of the glory of God. So Paul is saying, because I'm in right standing with God, because he's made me righteous and we, we're, we, we believe in him, because, because I've now got this relationship with God, I've got hope. And he's, he has hope on both sides, on the front and on the backside. Like, it starts with hope, this hope that, hey, I've said I believe in God, and because I believe in God, I'm going to get to spend eternity with God. God's promised me this eternity, and so it, it's good. I've got this hope. I'm going to be with him forever. But then he goes to say, because of all these things, because I have faith, because I believe in God, because he's made me righteous, I can also rejoice when I'm suffering when I'm going through a bad thing, I can have hope in the midst of a bad day. I can have hope in the midst of a bad time and not because of, not because of suffering, but in the middle of suffering when you're actually walking through it. Let me give you a simple reminder this morning to be on the screen. This is what I believe. Salvation is instant. Like the minute you say, I believe in God, boom, it's instant. But then there's this thing called sanctification and sanctification is a process. So the moment you and I say, hey, God, I believe in you. I want to live for you. Bam, you are saved. But then there's this next thing that we have to work out called sanctification, which is kind of like I'm probably the only one in here that has this, but it's kind of like imagine trying to get all the rough edges off of yourself. And I know all you are perfect, but I have some pretty rough edges and that's what sanctification is. It's this process of like making you and I become, having you and I become holy, making us more like Jesus. And we have to work that out. It's a process of working to get closer to God and working to get close in God involves some practical things. Like it's gonna involve making right choices, get becoming like Christ, getting closer to God. It's gonna involve worship. It's gonna involve prayer. It's gonna involve maybe getting into God's word. It's gonna involve coming to church. Wow, what a concept. It's gonna involve coming to church. It's gonna involve like getting around like-minded people. But here's the hard part, but yet it's so true. It'll be on the screen. Part of sanctification process involves seasons of suffering. Like sanctifying you, getting you to a place where you wanna follow God and you wanna live is gonna involve seasons of suffering. Of suffering. It's actually part of how you and I become like Jesus. It's not a popular message, but it's a true message. Like we love the mountaintop experiences, right? We love the mountaintop because when you're on the mountain, you see clearer. Like if you've ever climbed or hiked up to a mountain, like you're like, we, we've achieved something. You feel like you've achieved something when you're on the mountaintop. Like, like it's, um, it's prettier. Everything looks prettier from the mountaintop. It's p- more, usually more peaceful on the mountaintop. However, in the seasons that God didn't cause but allow, these seasons of suffering, these valley experiences, you're gonna have them in order to get there. And I wanna go back and say this. Seasons of suffering this is a theology talk for you. God allows them, he does not cause them. He does not cause those things. I want you to think of it this way. If God caused you to have cancer and gave it to you, why would he why would you pray for him to take it away? Like it doesn't make sense. Because if God if God gave it to you, then obviously he wanted you to have it. But I believe that he allows things in our lives and the only reason he allows them is to give us purpose. He allows them for his glory. He allows them for, for, for you and I to work some things out so that we can grow closer to him. I wanna give you a quick sidebar this morning because I believe uh, this is important for us as we talk about suffering, we talk about the church. And, but, but I just wanna, as your pastor, I wanna come and say, listen, I, I believe God heals in four ways. Let's talk about this for just one second. God heals in four ways. Some of you need to know this because you walk through part of our suffering sometimes is physical, and, and I just believe God heals in four ways. Number one, he, he heals instantly, right? Like you see it throughout the Bible. The blind, they're blind, they see. They're deaf, they hear. They're, they're lame and they walk. And we at Christian Life Center, as a, as a church, we always pray and always believe that God can do the miraculous instantly. And that's what we want. But there's also another side of healing. I think he also heals gradually. He hears gradually. And Jesus, you see this, Jesus made the first ever mud mask, all right, where he spit on the mud, he put it on the guy's eyes, and then he says, and what do you see? And the guy's like, oh, I see this blurry, looks like trees walking around. you are like, okay, well, let's, let's go further. And the next thing that went out, what do you see? Oh, I see people. How, sometimes healing in your life is gradual. Let me give you a third one. I think God heals medically. Come on, you don't like, we don't like, I get nervous when somebody walks out to me and they got a bone sticking out of their arm and they're like, hey, you know, I'm like, man, that looks bad. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, but I'm not gonna go to the doctor. I'm gonna go to the hospital because I'm, I'm just good. I mean, if God wants to heal me, you know, he'll heal me. I'm like, what? Please go to the hospital. Like, like, they have a treatment for that. Like somebody can help you with that. I mean, the Bible is clear. The gospel writer, Luke, his profession, he was a physician. The Bible describes Jesus as the great physician. Like, I'm sure God is good with the medical world and the skills that are out there that he can all use for his glory and his goodness. So God heals medically. And then there's, those three are easy. The last way that God heals is not always the most easy, but it's a reality. God also heals eternally. He heals eternally. We don't like that because we, we can't feel it or we can't touch it or we can't see it or we can't experience it on this side of, of heaven, but it's a healing. I mean, the Bible describes eternity this way where there is no pain, there is no sickness, there is no disease, no suffering on the other side of eternity. And so God heals eternally and he uses all of it. He doesn't cause it, he allows it. And it helps us to begin to understand when we go through seasons of suffering, that we go through these things, that, that, that God really is not out to punish you, he's out to walk with you. The good news is, is God's word teaches us that we don't have to wonder and we don't have to guess or we don't have to know how, but we can know the how and the why. And I want to give them to you quickly this morning. The first thing uh, that a season of suffering is for is this, it produces perseverance it produces perseverance. Remember, Paul wrote in there, he says, I rejoice in suffering because it produces perseverance. Perseverance. Let me tell you what perseverance simply means. It means this, being persistent despite the difficulties or delays we face. Being persistent no matter what difficult way, no matter what delay you might be experiencing. Like, listen, the most simple way I can help you understand what perseverance is, is this. It is impossible to produce perseverance unless you've gone through something that required you to persevere through it. All of us in this room probably have been there before where you've had to go through something where you just had to hang on and get through it. In order to produce perseverance, I've had to gone through something that required me to to, to not give up, to not throw in the tower. And, And this morning, you need to know this, there's this misconception is that when I get Jesus, like when I follow Jesus, I have everything I need to face everything that I will ever go through in life. I love that, it's a great statement. But last I checked, perseverance is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not. We have to work at it. We have to work at following God. We have to work at pers- persevering through some tough times. And, 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 and it, that's something that's produced in us that when we get through it and we have the mentality, like I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna take my ball and go home. I'm gonna see this thing through. And here's the good news, though. I'm able to do that. I'm able to persevere because I have Jesus in me and, and with me to help me to learn to persevere. Jesus gives me hope. King, King, uh, King David in Psalms 23, it's one of the most famous psalms ever written, most quoted psalm of all. But he says this, here, we gotta learn from this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Church, I want to remind you again, we got to read God's word slowly. Look what King David says. He says, Even though I walk through the valley, he didn't say, Oh, uh, I set up camp in the valley. He didn't say, oh, I stop. In the valley, He didn't say, I live in the valley. He said, I go walk through the valley. Can I encourage you today? The valley, your suffering is not the destination. We get through it. And how do we get through it? Jesus is with us. He walks with us. Hear me, if you have been setting up camp in your suffering, if you have been setting up camp in your valley, it's time to pack up and walk out. You were never intended to stay there. In fact, I wrote it this way. We walk through seasons, we don't stay in seasons. We walk through them. And God absolutely wants to get you to the other side. Like, it's not not your final destination. Your suffering, your valley moments are not your final destination. It's what we go through. It's not who we are. They don't define us. I remember I only had one season of ministry where... You know, uh, in all of our assignments, I only had one ministry where I was like, I just questioned my call. Like, I was like, I don't know if I wanna do this. <laughs> I went, it's, it was a season where I wondered, is this really worth it, man? There's gotta be a better job out there. Maybe one of y'all would hire me, I don't know. But like, there's gotta be something better than what I'm doing. And, and, and in that season, we learned some things. Like, we learned uh, that people bite, like you do. We learned that people don't, live, don't always live the way they, what they profess. And we also learned that leaders can lack integrity. It was a tough time. And we went and left a successful ministry where things were growing great, everyone loved us, to answer a call that we feel like this was the call that God, ha- God had on our lives. And I remember being so at that moment where I was like, I'm in the suffering mode, I'm done, I'm ready, I quit, I'm out of here. And I was sitting there with a friend of mine who didn't know my story we're still great friends today and we're having this conversation and he said something to me that transformed my faith and transformed my life. And we were just talking and he said, he said this to me, he goes, I've lived my life that if I am faithful in the small things, God will bless me with the big things. I'm like, wow. If I'm just faithful in the small things, God's gonna bless me with the big things. And then he went on to say these words to me. He said this, you win when you don't quit. You win when you don't quit. Every day that you say, church, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not letting the enemy win. Every day that you keep pressing and keep pushing, you win. You win. Hear me, every day, I wanna encourage you, win the day. Get through it and give God the glory and the honor of your life because you were able to get through it. You win when you don't quit. But there's there's a big asterisk there, you're going to have to go through some things that are going to make you want to quit. You're going to have to go through things that are going to, make, that are going to be difficult, and they're going to make you want to quit. You win when you don't quit. Henry Cloud, he's a Christian psychologist, and, and he told a story that in the early 90s, scientists wanted to grow trees in the perfect environment, Want them to be the perfect trees, perfect environment. And so in California, they, they decided, like, here, what we're gonna do, we're gonna, we're gonna create this biosphere and we're gonna plant these trees and we're gonna grow these trees. But what they found happened is, is that as they grew these trees, right before the tree would fully mature, it would just topple over. And they would, they would try again, and, and, and before it would fully mature, the, the tree would fall over again. And, and this kept happening, kept happening, kept happening. And, and they couldn't understand, like, why, why is this happening? When we, have, like, we have the perfect conditions. Like, we have the perfect soil. We have the best light. We're giving them the best care. And yet, it's just not being successful. They ended up discovering two things, two things that the biosphere lacked, and those two things we're wind and stress. Wind and stress, why? Because the wind produces stress the tree needs to grow the roots in order to stand firm on its own during tough times. We need the wind and the stress in our lives. We need the suffering so that we become stronger in who God's are. The problem is that we've camped there too long. And we live in a culture that, that wants the easy way, Right? Like, just give me the easiest way to do things, and that's what I want. Parents, listen, we, we are guilty of this, and I know this is not going to be popular, but we're so guilty of, like, well, I don't want to make my kids suffer, you know? It's, Johnny's perfect. I, 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 I don't want my kids uh, to struggle. And like, you just want to look and say, listen, Timmy, you didn't get a ribbon because you were eight minutes behind the slowest guy. We don't give ribbons for that, all right? And, and I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, but, but we want to build it up in our kids to say, okay, I'm in the valley. I suffered. I didn't get, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gr- to create some perseverance, and I'm going to work so that I can get a trophy next time, right? We got to understand that that's what suffering, it builds in us, and it motivates us to bigger and better things that God has for us. So I'm going to produce some perseverance. Suffering is going to produce some perseverance. The second thing is this, uh, that Paul tells us. Suffering also develops my character. Suffering develops my character. Another misconception is that when we choose to follow Jesus, I'm instantly just like him. So as soon as you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, you're like, "Oh, oh, I'm holy like him. I've got everything together like Jesus is my homeboy, right, and... We're one-on-one and, you know, that's, what we, that's a misconception. No, no, you're not like Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm not like Jesus. Yes, salvation is instant, but the sanctification part is like me working to become like Jesus. That's why we use the term called character development, right? One of the definitions of sanctification that I like of the many def- definitions is this. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ by purifying our hearts and our minds through repentance, prayer, and spiritual practice. Like we don't instantly become like Jesus. We gotta work at it, which means, right? Let me give you some practicals for you in the room, which means you should have a personal devotional life. You should be at church. Uh, You should go to prayer or grow you, those types of things that make you better. How about this one? Maybe we should try reading the Bible. Or, or maybe find someone to disciple you. That can walk alongside you and mentor you. We have to walk this thing, this thing called faith, out, so that our character develops to become more like Christ. And so, I think in many ways, and if you take notes, you can just simply write this down. I think in many ways we develop character our by by living faith over feelings. You live faith over feelings, right? And we live in a day, you and I live in a day who wants to tell you that your feelings are the most important thing, right? Hey, you ever heard this before? If it feels good, do it. Um, how many of you probably heard this more than once just this week alone where someone says, did that hurt your feelings? Like, if it feels right, it must be right. This one is the big one in 2024, 20, or, you know, in our current day, is How about this one? You do you. We love to say that, hey, man, just you do you. Listen, how many know all those things are lies? They're not true. Your feelings will fail you. Faith does not fail you. Feelings are gonna fail you. Hear me, I'm not discrediting feelings. They're very important. They're very important in life. You need them. Like, for example, like if, if we were going camping together, which would probably be the most horrible illustration because without an RV or a cabin, we ain't going camping, all right? (laughs) Nothing about outside sleeping sounds enjoyable to me, all right? But if we're camping and a 600-pound bear was like coming at us, I hope your feelings kicks in so you can run, all right? And I know you Montana people are like, well, pastor, you cannot run a bear, right? And I'm like, I know that. Right? But and you all know the truth. I just need to outrun one of my camping companions. I don't need to right. That's all I need to do. Like, like I hope the feeling of confidence kicks in so that I can outrun faster than you, right? That's all I need. But can I encourage you this morning? Your feelings are a great co-pilot. They just can't drive the car. They're a great co-pilot, but they just can't drive the car. You've got to let faith drive the car. You gotta let faith be the GPS to get you to your destination. Like, like you gotta say, God, I trust you on this. God, I believe you. I may not have seen it yet, but I believe you. Maybe God, you haven't come through for me yet, but I know you will. So I'm gonna allow you to lead me to the destination that you have for my life and not my feelings. That's why Hebrews 11:1 tells us, right? Your faith, now faith is confidence in what we hope and the assurance about what we do not see. How many know if you can touch it, see it, smell it, it doesn't require much faith? It's right there in front of you. But every day, as followers of Jesus, you and I, we have gotta be depositing faith in our bank account. Like deposit it. Like I haven't seen it yet, God, but I believe it, deposit. Like I haven't felt it yet, I haven't seen you come through, but God, I'm gonna believe that you're gonna see it through and I'm gonna deposit that, into my bank account. And let me tell you why. Because it builds an amazing savings account. Because hear me, because when you get through that season of suffering, you ready for the good news? There's probably gonna be another one along the way. I know, you wanna leave. It's okay, hang in there. Like eventually there's gonna be another one. And you know what? When that next season comes, guess what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna have to withdraw something. You're going to have to make a withdrawal. And if you have not been depositing faith, building character, we will be bankrupt in our next suffering season. Then you know what's going to happen? Because you haven't built up faith and you haven't built a belief, you know what's going to happen in your next season of suffering? You're going to start trusting your feelings over faith. Feelings will misguide you. Your faith is going to lead you. It's going to lead you. Like your feelings are going to begin to say something. And this applies to some of you in the room today like you're gonna, your feelings are gonna start to make that narrative that says, well, God's not good. You're gonna start to say, well, God doesn't love me. Or here's the heartbreaking one, God's not real. Or we're gonna say God's against me or God wants me to suffer. Listen, faith says no. Faith only has one sentence. You know what faith says? God is for you. God is absolutely for you. God is all, here's how, let me tell you, you're asking me, well, how do I deposit faith into my life? How do I deposit? I'm gonna give it to you real easy. How, what if we try to just simply speak God's word over our life every day? Simple things. Like, what if you just woke up one day and just said, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know what that is? Just a deposit. Like what if you got up and said, you know, just quoted Romans eight thirty one over your life. What, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It is just a deposit that just says, God is for me. Like what if we, what if we quoted like John, Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's just a deposit. Boom, God is with me. Lastly, what if we just said like 1 John 4, 4, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It's just a deposit. That's all you're doing. And all those deposits that you and I can withdraw on It says, I know that my God is for me. I know my God is good. And I'm building my character and my faith so that I can trust him and not rely on my feelings. I'm trusting on what God says he will do. I'm trusting what God says who he is. And I'm trusting who God says I am. And why is this important, church? Why is this important? Well, let me give it to you, Philippians 3.10. It's important that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And I may share his sufferings, because, uh, becoming like him in his death. Now we're like a few weeks from Easter. Bring a friend, you wanna be here. But we like that resurrection part, don't we? Come on, man. I, I, I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That gets us shouting and excited like, yeah, Jesus conquered death, he's alive. I want that. Like I want that good part. But then he goes on and says, oh, and then also may I may share in his sufferings. Like, oh, no, 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 take that out. Let's just take the first part. I don't want to talk about the suffering part. Like, let's just remove that. Hear me, church. If you don't know this, can I tell you, Jesus suffered. He suffered. He suffered for you. He suffered for me. And we become like him, not just on the mountaintop, but in the valleys as well. Like, there's an old Christian song that has this one line in it that I just love it. And it simply says this, the valley fills first. The valley fills first. It's the valley, right? Those point, and when, when it fills first, the, when we persevere and we build character, it rises us to the mountaintop. The valley fills first. We gotta go through it so that we can get to the top and enjoy it and understand it and have purpose in the midst of it. Let me give you the last one. Suffering produces uh, some perseverance. Uh, it, it, it develops my character, but I love this one. Suffering increases hope. It increases hope. Now, notice I didn't say it gives you hope. I said it increases hope. At the start of Romans chapter 5, Paul already had hope, right? He had a hope all from the first four four chapters. He had hope that he was going to get to spend eternity with God because of faith and because of believing in God. He had hope that he was going to get to spend eternity. But this is a different kind of hope that he's bookending this about a different hope he's talking about. Now he's talking about to a hope to know that God is for me. And the, I can rejoice in my suffering. I can rejoice in what I'm walking through because I have hope that even in the midst of it, God is for me. A hope that God is going to do exactly what he said he would do. One of the many definitions of hope that I like is simply this, hope. It's the confident expectation that God will do all that he promised. It's an expectation. I say this all the time in our church, but I believe that expectation is the platform for miracles. Where is your expectation level today? Like, do you have a high expectation? God, I expect you to come through for me. God, I expect you to speak to me. I expect you to walk with me. I expect you to provide for me. And I'm just saying to you, I believe if you have a low expectation, that's probably what all you're gonna get. But if you can raise the expectation, even though you haven't seen it yet, even though it hasn't come through, but I'm gonna have an expectation that my God is good. And if you go to that, I believe that God will rise to that level of faith. I believe your hope will increase as you say, God, I have a high bar that I want you to do in my life, in my family's life, in my church, in my work, whatever it may be. And we got to hope that God has a purpose for me, that God has a plan and that I may be in a season of suffering, but this is not my final destination. It's not where God has me landed. With God's help, I'm gonna get through it and I'm gonna to get to the other side of his plan for my life. And what happens when you begin to have that mentality is your hope begins to increase inside of you. And hear me if you hear nothing else today, church, I need you to get this. If you're taking notes, if you haven't taken notes, I want you to write this down, screenshot it, whatever it may be. But if you get nothing from it, I want you to get this. It'll be on the screen. I may not be able to control what caused the season of suffering, but I can control how I respond in it. I can control how I respond in whatever it is that I'm walking through, whatever in that I'm facing. Can't control it, but I absolutely can control how I respond to it, how it speaks to me. Remember, I, Paul said, I, I, I've learned to rejoice in suffering. How did he get there? How did he get to that place? Well, you know how? Because he had some hope that God was good. And he had some hope that God was for him. He also had some faith built up because he had seen God come through for him over and over and over again. And some of you sit in this room today and you have that same testimony. You know you know, there's moments in your life where God has come through for you. And yet somehow we in our humanity, we begin to lose hope even in the midst of still knowing that God's come through for us before. We see it just go down and down and down. And Paul's saying, hey, you've got to remember these things. And maybe one way to remember is like, I'm going to rejoice whatever I'm walking through because I know that God is good and that God is for me. I can have joy in the middle of this because I know God, who God is. And I'm going to stay close to him. And as I stay close to him, we will get through whatever it is we're going through. When you're going through a tough season, I'm just telling you, just keep moving God is not done. Keep moving. Keep walking. You remind me of a story about a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford. It was in the late 1800s. He was a well-known, well-off, wealthy businessman in the city of Chicago. And he's at, and life was doing great. Life was going along great, and then at one moment, in one day, he lost his wealth. He lost everything he owned in what we know as the famous 1871 fire of Chicago. Lost it all. Literally within weeks of that, literally, in that same amount of time, he loses his four-year-old son to scarlet fever, dies. So Horatio Spofford says, I, you know, we gotta, we gotta reset. We gotta, we gotta start over again. And so he thought, you know, I, I gotta, we gotta get out of the city. We got to do a fresh start. We got to refocus our family. And, and so he decided we're going to pack up everything we own. We're going we're to move. And, and they're going to head back to London. So he gathers his wife and he has four daughters. And he puts them on a ship headed to London. Rachel says, listen, I, I'm going to catch up to you guys in a few weeks. I've got matters here that I've got to finish up. Some business things I've got to close up before. I, so I'm going to send you guys ahead and I will meet you in London in a few weeks. On the way to London, the boat carrying, the ship carrying his wife and four daughters collided with another ship. And 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Spafford's daughters. All four gone. His wife made it to London and she sent a telegram to him. She sent a simple telegram with this, a simple word saying this Survived alone what shall I do? Survived alone, what shall I do? In a moment of of much despair, of suffering and pain, Horatio Spofford decided I'm gonna go. He boarded a ship to join his wife in London. And he's on this journey. And and on this journey, the, the captain of Horatio's ship, knowing his story, he slows the ship down at a certain point. He comes down to Horatio. And he said to him, this is the place where your daughters perished. This is the spot. I just wanted you to know, in case you just need to know, this is the actual spot where your family, your four daughters died. Right there at the bow of that, in the midst of that pain and suffering, Horatio looks over the bow of the ship. And where many of us in this room, where many of us, would let feelings take over. Where many of us would probably stand at the bow of the ship and we would we question God. We'd probably stand at the bow of the ship, express our anger with God. But Horatio Spafford, he looked over the bow of that ship and in that moment of suffering and
1: pain, he penned these words. When peace like a river it my way when so-
0: of your suffering I know it's not instant suffering doesn't always go away in just a moment it's not just gone but there's something about being present in the moment of it being present with God not looking back and not looking to the destination ahead but right now where you're at where you can sit back and say I I wonder if Horatio sat on the boat and said God what are you showing me? God what what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to reveal in me? I'm telling you, church, God is not silent in your life. You may feel that way at points. He's not silent. Whatever it is you're walking through, whatever you will walk through, God's trying to show you something. He's trying to teach you something. He's trying to speak you something. He's trying to reveal something to you. And at the end of it all, the end purpose that you and I can stand for, for and say, listen, in spite of it all, my God is good. And my God cares for me. So here's my word for you today. Straight from the Bible, 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, after you suffer a little while, will himself move. you strong and firm and steadfast. Man, imagine a collection of people who say, "Hey, yeah, I've walked through it, but God has restored me. And in the midst of restoring me, he's made me strong and firm and steadfast. It may have been a little while for some of you, but listen, if you have faith, God will restore. Would you stand with me this morning? And I don't know if you can sing these words this morning, but if you if you can, I hope you I hope you can. If you've been there before, you should have no problem. But can we just sing these words
1: together in honor to God? Amen.
0: up that no matter what you face, your God is good, and he cares for you. In the midst of your suffering, there's a reason, there's a purpose behind it, but at the end, once you get through it, you're only going to become stronger and greater, and only to be able to do even more and more than what God has destined for you to do. But you got to come to a place, is it well with you? No matter what you walk through, is it well? Is your God good? Do you believe he's good? Do you believe he cares for you this morning? Because he does. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to close in prayer this morning. And just simply this, if you're here today, you can't sing that song because, man, maybe your faith is not where it needs to be. I want to pray for you. Right where you're at, where I'm going to call you for. it's nothing to embarrass you. I just want to just right here, wherever you are, you're in a place of like, man, I'm either suffering or I'm at a place where my faith is just not where it needs to be. It's not strong. I, it, it's shaky. And I, 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 need to, I need to know that my God is good. I need to know that God cares for me. If your head's bowed, your eyes closed, if that's you in the room, would you just put your hand out? I'm praying for anyone at all. Come on, I see hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Real quick before I go. Come on. Real quick. So God, we pray this: you are good in this place. Man, may, your, may your spirit... <laughs> every heart and every mind that you are a good God and that you care. Maybe there's people in the room who are not suffering, everything's going great. There will be a season. And maybe there are people in the room that are in a season right now and they need to know that you're there to get us through it. Lord, let us give us hope. Increase our hope, build our character, give us perseverance. That we're not a people who will quit, but we are a people Walk through it. For those in the room today who raise their hand, maybe they're in a place to uh, maybe there's those in the room who just say, I need to have Christ in my life. Uh, Paul tells us, if we believe, we're saved. If you're here today and you say, God, I believe in you, I need you, God wants to restore you. Now go live a life for Him. Work on the process. Those who may be in the room who are just walking through a season season of suffering, and it's hard to sing it as well in the midst of this. Lord, I pray right now that they would sense your presence and they would know that you are good and that you care for us. So I pray that over your people today may it be well. Lord, may it be on our lips as we go throughout this day and this week. And Lord, every time we face a difficult season, we can just say it is well with my soul. It is well because my God for me. And he's good. So Lord, I pray blessings upon your people. or may your face shine upon them. May you be with them and guard them. May we be not afraid to talk about the love of Jesus and be an example of how good you are. And So Lord, I pray that upon your people today, God, may you keep us and watch over us. Continue to grow your church. Allow us to be a light to a community, to a lost and with Steve, uh, any of our other teams, leaders, uh, if you just want to, they're going to be on the sides. If you just want someone to pray with you, maybe you're walking through a season, they're here to pray for you. Other than that, hey, we want to pray you have a great day. Uh, Let's hope to see you next Wednesday or Friday at Bloom or next Sunday. We just pray God's protection upon you. Amen. God bless you. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com.